1895, three Swana chiefs went to England to meet with the Queen. Three Swana chiefs from Botswana, then known as Bechuanaland. The names of the three chiefs were Sebelewan, Batwewan, and Kamaditod. These three chiefs were three of about nine other chiefs in Bechuanaland. Not to mention that uh, Bechuanaland was a, a country with heterogeneous tribes, which means that there was not just one tribe. But these tribes came together and sent three representatives to England sent three representatives to Britain to seek for protection of their of their land. At that time, it would interest you to know that it was during the time that the British South African Company, okay, was expanding into the region. And this particular company was known for, you know, exploitation. They were known for they were known for vagabondry, they were known for, you know, ruling with iron hand, they were known for exploiting the area. And already, Bechonda land was a protectorate, but a protectorate in the sense that it was just uh, a place where Britain held name. Britain was just holding the place as a protectorate. They were not exactly interested in Bechonda land because it provided almost no economic value to Britain to take perfect control of the place. Britain just wanted a piece of the area because it gave them an opportunity to pass through to other regions that are more economically better than Bechonaland. So specifically, there was a protectorate in Bechonaland that was not exactly a protectorate. It was a protectorate but was not getting enough protection. So these men came together and went to England to meet Queen Victoria and the then Secretary of State, Mr. Chamberlain. When they got there, they explained to the Queen the importance of not allowing the British South African Company under the command of Cecil Rhodes to, you know, to take over the region. Cesaro had a mission to take over there. He was ready to set up southern and northern Rhodesia by taking large facets of land, by exploiting the mineral resources and exploiting the people there. So now they had two problems. They were trying to escape a company, okay, that was being operated by the British. And now they're going forward to meet Britain itself to take more responsibility in the area. They had a clear goal. They wanted the Britain to take more responsibility without taking too much land from the area. And in return, Britain decided to build rails in the area by taking just enough land for their rails. The Bechonaland chiefs felt that the queen might not be convinced enough to 
you know listening to their pleas to allow them to actually you know take into consideration what they had discussed so they went on a nationwide tour of england speaking in different places about 10 to 8 different cities talking about the importance of britain taking more responsibility in their area finally britain agreed and they built steam rails in the area now how does that story concern nigeria that is the question you have been on your mind for the past four minutes i'll tell you but you want to learn is another country in Africa today known as Botswana okay that was faced with exactly the same set of problems that uh, Nigeria was faced with the only difference in Botswana land was that the land was not considered economically productive enough for the Britons to vest more interest but Cecil Rhodes was still a threat Today, Botswana at independence was supposed to be a failure. It was not expected to be uh, a successful economy. But if you look at Botswana today, <laughs> you agree with me that that uh, analysis was wrong. And Nigeria today at independence was considered to be one of the emerging economies in the world and probably would be one of the best. But 60 years later, Nigeria is still trailing stable economic growth what is the difference between these two if we bring together the two countries and we try to analyze it nigeria has three main tribes not to mention that there are so many heterogeneous tribes in nigeria so many other tribes but the three main tribes in Bechona land too there are at least three other tribes three main tribes too of course there are more tribes but they are heterogeneous but the first problem the people of Botswana dealt with after independence is the issue of heterogeneity. Today, when you go to Botswana, everybody is Swana. Everybody is Swana. Everybody. Every damn person. There is no heterogeneity. It does not mean that there are not different tribes in Swana, but the country has managed to find a way to unite the country with a single policy that is adapting English and Swana as languages to be taught in all schools well you might want to argue that that maybe that eroded the indigenous tribes in the area but I would also like to tell you that that is not exactly correct people may not be able to trace their tribes to the different heterogeneous ones but they have a, a share a common goal in being Swana. Nigeria on the other hand has three main tribes, three main warring tribes that has remained the tool of uh, you know diverse wars, coups and so many you know uh, problems the country has faced in the last 60 years. So it begs the question how did Botswana get better and Nigeria got worse. In the discussion we had earlier, Nigeria has had a series of administrations in the last 60 years. Series. There's been coups, counter coups, 
there's been a lot of demonstrations and it might make the common man wonder why is it that despite the change in government which has been consistent over the years except for the last 20 years why has it not changed anything for the common man the answer is simple sometimes ago you'll find out in this episode sometimes ago uh, a Sunday school teacher I was attending this class said something about the country in 2007 exactly he told us that if Nigeria if God sent an angel down to Nigeria to govern the area the angel will end up being corrupt I thought he was joking well 13 years down the line now I understand it was not it is easy to claim that corruption bribery misappropriation of funds outright stealing you know lawlessness breakdown of law and order godfatherism all of those things are the problems of Nigeria it is easy to point to these things as problems but the honest truth is that they are symptoms they're not the real problem it's like having a malaria you would like to see that having a fever okay is a symptom of malaria so when you ask someone how are you feeling I have fever then you saw this person as probably as malaria fever here is a symptom on the surface it might not be the problem malaria is just as every other thing that can be seen as the problem of Nigeria is not exactly a problem it is a symptom so what exactly is the problem to understand the problem of the region okay would be to understand something that is called a state yeah state what exactly is a state because if we have to discuss the history of Nigeria in such a way that we remove the state out of the picture it will be difficult for us to understand what it really means so a state is naturally a nation or territory considered as an organized political community under one government so a state and is an organized political community an organized political community <laughs> an organized political community understanding this word organized political community it's important it is important because for a political community to work or say specifically for a state to work there has to be certain institutions of the state there has to be certain institutions of the state so as a state it has institutions so to understand the role of institutions and the governance of a state would be to understand first the interests in a state so naturally a state has two main organs the first one is a political organ and the second one is the economic organ the political organ focus on the governance of the area the economic organ focus on the total well-being of the people in the state 
when you bring this together you're discussing politics and economics in any in any state so in nigeria precisely the nigerian state okay as a state has two main in two main organs the political organ and the economic organ and both of these organs come together to create institutions that would benefit the state now to understand exactly how those things work would be to break down the state itself into pieces and understand the interest of certain groups in the state so it means that if you want to take a state to ransom that is if you want to be in control of a state you are either in control of the political organ or you are in control of the economic organ or you are in control of both it is the kind of political interests and economic interest in the state that it that determines the kind of institutions that are in the state ultimately the kind of institutions a state has would determine the kind of state it would become i hope you understand on this you may have to listen to that again the kind of uh political interest and economic interest that a state has would determine the kind of institutions that these states would build and the kind of institutions that these states will build will determine to a large extent the kind of uh, state it would be in terms of development so to understand the growth of a state the deterioration or the prosperity of a state you cannot remove political and economic organ away so in simple terms countries are poor today because they lack prosperous institutions and countries are rich today because they have prosperous institutions you might want to argue that the geography matters the uh, the education level matters the you might want to say bringing a lot of argument but i'd like to tell you that the geography okay does not matter let me give a simple example to that that will make this easier for example arizona texas is on the united states is on the border of the united states but just over the other border which is at the mexican border over at texas same geographic union okay same geographic location in arizona texas which is a part of the united states the living standards are at least twice as better than the other side of the fence in Mexico. Yet they share borders and they are in the same geographical location. Just a fence is separating them. Then if geography is so important, why is life in Texas better than life in Mexico? Why? Let me give another example. The living standards of Nigeria, okay, is presumably presumably 
better than the living standard in Cotonou for so many reasons. But these countries are bordering each other. What is the difference? They are both close to sea. You see, geography goes only as much as the citizens in the country put into use. Let me repeat that for emphasis. The geography of a country will only be as important as the citizen of that state put it to use. So, like every other resource, the geography of a particular place is a resource too. I hope you're getting the point. So, the point is not in the geography. The point is in the institutions. So, how really important are these institutions? And in simple terms, what are institutions? This is what we're going to be discussing in our next podcast, Institutions. I hope you have learned something about your beloved country, Nigeria, today. And I hope you're following this podcast because in this podcast, we're going to be taking a lot of examples from countries that could have been, you know, highly successful and from countries that could have been so prosperous but are poor today. And we are going to be taking examples of countries that should have been poor today but they are prosperous today. Do have a super fantastic time.